Hi everyone, my name's Ben. Welcome to Grace Church. It's so good to have you here with us this morning. Just before I start today's message, I want to echo the comments that Emily made just before the break. That we as a church community, we take any form of racism and injustice so seriously. And as followers of Jesus, we are mandated to come against injustice wherever we see it. And we want Grace Church to be a place where everyone is so well welcomed and cared for and looked after and where everyone can thrive and be all that God has made them to be. Can you believe it? We are 10 weeks into lockdown and many of us are at a stage now where the activities that we uh, initially just missed a little bit, we're now really longing for. Um, I'm finding that, um, that, that I'm missing lots of activities, but also they're not necessarily ones that I expected to miss. And you can read lots of blogs, lots of articles about this, um, you know, people's top 10 lists of things they're missing most. And there's lots of varieties, quite an eclectic mix. But some of the things that are at the top of lots of people's uh, articles, lots of people's thoughts, are things like hugs. I totally get that. I'm a, I'm a big hugger. <laughs> uh, also restaurants, again, I love food. Um, something that wouldn't be top of my list, but might well be top of your list, is football. I know many of you have adopted a German, uh, a German league football club until our Premier League starts next week to get your football fix. <laughs> um, meetings with actual real people in a room together is something people miss. Family is so important to many of us, and not just for the free childcare. Travel, foreign travel, or um, people seem to be really missing the longer train journeys. Interactions with random strangers. You know, we don't get so many of those, do we, Well, in lockdown. And coffee, even the overpriced, throffy kind that you get in shops. People are really missing that. But these things, they've been stripped away, haven't they? We're living in a time where the superfluous is gone and we are left with some of the basics. And what this time does is it can actually reveal to us what we really believe is important and what we think we can live without. You know, the times we've been experiencing, we could actually describe them as a, as a type of wilderness where we're having to, to make do with the basics of life. As a church family, we believe in the authority of scripture, that the Bible helps us get to know God better. It's, it's the authority in how to live life well as a follower of Jesus in any given situation. And the Bible is littered with examples of people having these wilderness experiences. You know, in the Old and in the New Testament, there's story after story set in the sand. And 
Part of the reason is because of the geography of where the people of God were in Old and New Testament times. So the promised land is here if you like and then to the east there's a huge uh, amount of desert and down to the southeast as well. So they're within proximity of wilderness. However, I believe that these wilderness experiences, they made it into the Bible, not primarily because of that geography, but actually because wilderness times teach us about ourselves, what makes us tick. And if handled well, these times actually help us to deepen our relationship with Jesus. In just a moment, we're going to uh, look at a psalm written with, with um, written by David whilst he was in the wilderness. But before we read the psalm, take a moment to think about what this current situation is unearthing in you. What are the things that you are currently craving? What are you currently longing for? What is this present wilderness period revealing about your priorities, your concerns? This is something that I've been reflecting on in part for preparation for this message, but also just over the last 10 weeks, I've been thinking about what the desires that are, are coming up within me. And it's got me questioning, why don't I long for God more? Why am I more fixated with hugs and restaurants and coffee than depth of relationship with Jesus? To help me understand this, to help you understand why your desires are so, we're going to turn to Psalm 63. We're going to look at how David responded to his time in the wilderness. So if you'd like to open your Bibles, Whilst you do that, let me describe the context of this psalm. It is brutally simple. So David is uh, fleeing his throne. He's on the run. He's ended up running into the wilderness. So this man is dusty. He's thirsty. He's exhausted. He's hungry. And he's in the wilderness because his trusted son, Absalom, wants his throne and so has led a rebellion against him. So it's fair to say that David, he is having a, he's having a bad time of it. He's not in a good place at all. Let's read the psalm together. Uh, I'm reading from the ESV. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in your sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich foods, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed, and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me, but those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. 
They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion of jackals, for jackals. But the king, he's speaking to himself here, shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouth of liars will be stopped. David's response shows us how to handle ourselves in tough times. What an incredible response it is. He's in a barren place. He's running for his life. And yet the theme of this psalm is not him longing for the power of the palace. It's for the love of the Lord. The first thing he does is look to God. You know, verse 1, Oh God, you are my God. David's in his life, he hasn't always got it right. Anyone who knows anything about his story knows that reality, but he nails it here. He gets it so right here. It's such a relational start. He knows God personally. He then goes on straight away to remind himself of the great times of encounter with God that he's had. Times where he's looked upon God in the sanctuary. The English proverb claims that absence makes the hearts grow fonder. And when Absalom's rebellion forces David into the wilderness to flee from the tabernacle, the temple that he loves so much, David discovered that that proverb is true. Are you currently missing worshipping in the Grace Church building? You know, a place where many of us have encountered God so powerfully over the years. If you are, then you'll get a sense of how David felt when he wrote this psalm. I went to the building a couple of weeks ago to collect a few things. It's my office chair and fan. And um, as I was there, I thought I'd go into the main hall, I'd pray a little, and I'd, I'd have a little wander around. And I found it an incredibly emotional experience actually to see those stacks of chairs to be in that hall where I've encountered God so wonderfully um, where we have worshipped together with wonderful corporate worship it's a place where we've met God and we will continue to meet God there there will be a time when we will be back there worshipping together and I cannot wait in verse 3, David faces up to the reality that he might die. He realises that in that death reality, the love of the Lord is more important than anything else, more than important than even his life. I suppose you find out what you really prioritise when you face death. And the Hebrew word David uses for love is the word hesed. Now, it's translated steadfast love in the ESV, but there is actually no equivalent English uh, word. There's no in English equivalent. It's a word for love that speaks to promise, faithfulness, covenant love. He knows God's, has said love, and he longs for more of it. Verse 5, he acknowledges his struggles with hunger but insists that if only he could enjoy God's friendship, he will be more satisfied than even with the richest foods. 
and as he lies awake in bed, it doesn't it feel like a bit of a diary, you know, him going through his day. As he lies in bed, he uses the same Hebrew word which is used for husbands and wives becoming one, making love with one another to suggest that God's friendship is even better than the intimacy he enjoys with his royal wives. David enjoyed fellowship with the Lord whilst he lived in luxury as a king in a palace. But when those luxuries were stripped away, he discovered an even deeper passion for God's friendship. Psalm 63 is, in effect, it's a love letter to God written in a very unlovable place. He goes on declaring truth about God. Verse 8 says, My soul clings to you and your right hand, it upholds me. I absolutely love this line because it's a beautiful comment on the reality that when we're in tough times, sometimes it feels like we are clinging on to God with all that we have, but we're so weak in comparison and all along God's arm is upholding us. He's him in his infinite strength. He's there with us. He's looking after us. David reminds himself of the promises that he has in God. The reality that God made a covenant with his people. And God isn't a God who breaks his promises. It's a covenant actually that's referenced in the Christian song that's caught the attention of our nation at the moment, uh, The Blessing. And the lyrics to this song are taken straight from Moses' blessing of Aaron in number six. And it says this, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. We, like David, are also part of this same blessing. If you know Jesus, you're one of the generations who walk in that blessing. In David's wilderness time, above all things, David longs for more of the Lord. He longs for more of God and God breaks into his situation. God delivers him from his enemies. He's tasted God's loving kindness and he longs for more. Longing is the key theme in this psalm and it's actually the key theme of this message. David's not just physically thirsty, above all he is thirsty for more of God. In the scorching desert of Judah, in a dry and parched land where there is very little water, he confesses that his true thirst is longing to be in relationship with God. David's troubles, what they do is they strip away everything until all he's left with is a passion for God's friendship. As the prolific Victorian preacher Spurgeon puts it, he says this, to dwell with God is better than life at its best, life at ease, in a palace, in health, in honour, in wealth, in pleasure, yea, a thousand lives are not equal to the eternal life which 
abides in Jehovah's smile. Do you long to respond more like David in this wilderness time? How can we individually and corporately be more like David in our response? How can we use this time, our wilderness experience, as a catalyst for us to seek more of God, to long for him above all other things? Let's quickly look at three things that help us in our situation long for more of Jesus. So following David's example, we're to remind ourselves of who God is and our history with him. The first thing David does is to declare that God is his God. So that's what we're to do. We're to declare truth about who you are in Christ. The fact that you are a child of God. Thank him for what he's done in your life. Remind yourselves of God's promises to you. Scriptures full of them. That he works for your good. He will strengthen you. He will uphold you. He will always be with you. He's your provider. He knows you and you know him. If you don't currently have any history with God or that history feels like ancient history but you do want to encounter him today, you can. There'll be opportunity in a few moments just to respond and so look out for that. Secondly, David then recognises that it's only God who can satisfy. Earlier on I said to you um, I, and asked you what you were longing for at the moment. You know, often my go-to longings are more short-term than eternal and it's because our culture bombards us with all manner of promises of satisfaction and fulfilment and they all fall short. Things that often aren't actually bad in themselves can become real distractions from us pursuing something so much better and we can end up longing for something which is at best just a short-term fix. C.S. Lewis of Narnia fame, he puts it like this, he says, we are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. The reality is Jesus is our satisfaction. He's the only person who fully and truly satisfies. John 6 Verse 35 recalls Jesus saying to his disciples, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And finally, David, he responds by making time. In this psalm, he doesn't have the palace distractions. He's not focused on ambition or sets or power, he uses his time in the wilderness to write a love letter to God. In our culture, time is actually our most scarce resource. But if we don't create time and space, if we don't have quality time 
but in to hear from God, to encounter God, to worship him, we stay playing with mud pies rather than getting on that bus to the seaside. And let's recognise the fact that Jesus is the only one who truly satisfies and take time to be with him. Now, in terms of longing, in terms of wanting things, there is a difference between, you know, vaguely wanting something and really, really desiring it. When we really long for something, it leads to action, whereas vaguely desiring something very often doesn't accomplish anything. As an example, I love cycling. You know, I, I wouldn't mind uh, cycling the Tour de France. I quite like doing it in my head. However, when I read about the training schedules, the hours on the bike, the sacrifice, the pain, the risk, the discipline, especially when it comes to cake. Man, I love cake. I think, do you know what? I'm better off just cycling a couple of times a week at a fairly pedestrian pace. I can live with that. However, a true sense of longing results in a far better response. At 12, I really wanted a decent stereo. Now, I'm someone who loves music, I always have. And in my house, for some reason, we didn't have anything decent to play any music on. And so I did what any 12-year-old boy does um, in the 90s, I went to my Argos catalogue, I flipped through the pages, I found the stereo with the biggest speakers that I could find, and I saved. Now, at this time, I just started to get an allowance, so I was getting £20 a week, and this was supposed to cover me for all of my clothes, uh, any time with friends, uh, buying sweets, obviously an essential when you're that sort of age, but I saved every single penny of my allowance for almost two years in order to buy this killer sound system. My longing resulted in action. Do you long for more of God? If you do, how are you creating time to come to God, to encounter him? A really helpful description of what a Christian is, is uh, someone who is an apprentice of Jesus. And an apprentice's job is so simple, they are simply to do what their master does. So using Jesus as our example, Jesus didn't rush from place to place to place. He spent lots of time, often in the wilderness or in quiet places, praying and seeking God. He took Sabbath rest in order to recharge and worship. And if Jesus took time out, carved time out to be with his Father in heaven, and he is the perfect example of humanity, then surely we need to do the same. How do you best experience God? My current favourite is to cycle eight kilometres away early in the morning. Uh, there's a field where there's never anyone around and I literally cycle there and I pray for half an hour. I might open my Bible, uh, read a gospel or a psalm, but I just give that time to God and then I cycle back. I maybe pray in tons on the way back. 
in a world where there is so many distractions, we need this message more than ever. You know, this simple action of the importance of a quiet time is actually so countercultural, and there's so much grace for you in applying it. But the sacrifice of carving out time, there is sacrifice, but it is so worth it because as you make time with God, you will find that your soul is satisfied as with fat and rich food, as it says in this psalm, and your mouth will praise him with joyful lips. After David reminds himself of who God is, after he recognises that it's only God who truly satisfies and responds by making time. After that, he is able to give his current perilous situation over to God with the right perspective, knowing that God is just and he is able. Are you struggling with the current situation? You know, we don't know when we're able to go out for a meal, drop the kids off at the grandparents, give our friends a massive bear hug. However, our longing for Jesus can be fulfilled now. He's with us wherever we are. Maybe you don't have a longing for Jesus, but on hearing this message, you long to long for him. Then spend some time declaring who God is, what he has done for you, and recognise the truth that only he can really satisfy. Augustine puts it like this, speaking to God he says, you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. God's promise to us is that when we seek him, we will find him. You may be listening to this message and not know God. Well, the wonderful news is you can meet him today. And in doing so, you become part of the same blessing that David knew so well. If you would like to respond, please click on a button that will come up on your screen now. Through the chat function, you'll be able to speak to a wonderful member of our team and you'll be able to, to pray with them. Let me now pray a blessing. I'll pray the blessing that was prayed over Aaron over you right now. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Thanks so much for being part this morning. Chris is now going to lead us in our final song.